Hey guys, before we jump into today's show, I wanted to give you a little heads up that there is some adult language in today's episode. So if you're listening around kids or little ears or anyone who might not um, like that, you might want to listen later or, you know, to each his own, whatever works for you. But I wanted to give you a heads up. That being said, let's jump into today's show. So you're using WordPress and you have your business online. The next question is, now what? With so much to do and so little time, it's hard to figure out where you should put your energy. WordPress might be the foundation for your website, but it's what you do with your business that counts. In this podcast, we'll talk about building and running an online business, but you have to be willing to do the work and just show up. My name is Kim Doyle, aka the WordPress Chick, and this is the WordPress Chick Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Holy moly, I'm so excited about today's interview. First of all, before I bring my guest on, I want you guys to pay attention to how we connected because this to me is the power of what we do, it is the power of the internet. And if I could recommend anything, it would be to spend more time connecting, engaging with awesome people. So my guest today is Arlene Battisil. Did I say your name right? I feel like I should have asked you that first. <laughs> yes, you said it right. There have been many iterations of it, but you got it right the first time. So okay. I love you already. <laughs> awesome. Well, Arlene, thank you so much for being here today. I am really thrilled that we get to have this conversation for the next hour. <laughs> All right. So, it, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it, you know, that introduction in how we met is just, it, it is a really weird thing, this thing called the internet and the way people connect with one another. And, you know, somebody can reach out to somebody and they'll just say one weird little thing. And all of a sudden you're off to the races with that person. It, it's the most bizarre and magnificent and wonderful way of connecting with people today. You know what? It, it totally is. And it's been, it's funny because I would say like the first five years of my business, I was doing stuff, figuring it out. And it was when I launched the podcast because, well, you got to reach out, you got to connect and have conversations and validation came from that. And then I, I don't know, you know, I've really gone back to a lot of kind of direct response marketing principles this last year. And I'm like, girl, it's about relationships. And, and so it's, and you know, it's funny as I recorded, I don't know if you've ever heard of or use anchor. Have you ever seen that app, the phone app? No. Okay. Anchor is brilliant. And because you do video and you're super personable and hilariously fun is I take a look at it. And what it is, is you can, it, it's just a phone app and you hold it up to your ear and you can record up to like five minute sound bites. You can send it as podcasts. But the cool thing is, so people will favorite your station. And it came out like a year ago. And I was like, what, what is this? Right. However, I can now do these little sound bites in the morning, save them. As up, and then I can embed them like a little video player, or I can upload them to Facebook. I can export them as a video with the words are transcribing while people are listening to it. I'll send you a link. It's it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. My point in sharing that was was today. I, I did one, and it was I'm taking the extra step because so often people will like something on Facebook or they'll do a quick little comment, and that was how we connected. You did a live stream about the Expert Secrets book by Russell Brunson, oh, which right. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit. And 
it was such a game changer for me too. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell her this. And we kind of just kept going. I'm like, I need to have her on the podcast. We we would be on the podcast and we take it to a private message. I'm like, I love this woman. And then we were drinking. <laughs> That's coming. I'm like, we're in the same state. We have to get meet in person yeah, at some point. It's all going to happen. It all just started right there from some weird little video that I did on Facebook. And if you, if you hear these beeping going on um, on my computer here. It's I, I have incoming emails and I don't know how to shut the fucking thing off. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, okay, well, so for the listeners, uh, can you share a little bit of your background and what you have done prior to your current business? Oh, my God. I'm so old. <laughs> Where would you like me to start? You know, this is the weird thing. Somebody says, can you tell me about your background? I mean, you, you could be asking me what I was doing when I was four, or you could ask me what I've been doing over the last five minutes. So would you like to narrow the time frame a little? <laughs> well, kind of your, okay, let's, let's look at it this way. So in doing my homework, uh, you know, you've been on Shark Tank, you've written a book, you've got a business background, but you've, you've transitioned a lot of that, right, to this yeah. whole funnel Facebook ad space. So how about just kind of your business world life pre ClickFunnels and Facebook? Oh, okay. Brilliant. Well, all right. You know, as many people will probably remember, because how could you forget in 2008 when the economy went to shit, uh, I was working in a six figure big job in a corporation. Um, I was working for one of the biggest real estate developers in the country. And um, I, I was in a, a high level management position and I lost my job along with everybody else in the Southern California real estate industry. And it was very clear at the time that I lost my job. I, oh, I, I have to add a caveat here. I, I always like to say that I didn't lose my job. I know right where it is. <laughs> that's the reality. Nobody loses their job. We know right where our jobs were and are, and they just won't give them back to us. So I, I just want to make sure everybody who ever feels, you know, disempowered and feels like, you know, how did this happen to me? Well, those fuckers took your job. That's what happened to you. You've got all the power in the world. They just took your fucking job. You didn't lose it. What the hell, man? You know? Okay. So meanwhile, <laughs> I'm going to write a book called, <laughs> I didn't lose my job. They took it. <laughs> Although you're there's no bitterness in there at all, right? For anybody who's ever lost their job, especially as I was approaching 50 at the time and a woman, you know, I was like, yeah, this is not the best thing to be happening in your life right now. And it wasn't what you planned. So anyways, so there I am in this job. Well, I no longer had the job. And, you know, I like everybody else had, you know, tons and tons of financial obligations and you know, I remember the first unemployment check I got, which I think was $450 or something. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, that was my dinner bill last night. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you have to adjust yourself really big when this shit happens to you. But anyways, in all seriousness, um, you know, I, I had a, a very long history in business. I had a very strong, well, I do have a very strong background in consumer segmentation and most important in understanding what makes people buy. Why do they buy? Why do they buy the things that they buy? And knowing that, it means I know how to sell, and I sell really well. Um, and I've had different sales-type positions throughout my life, but um, 
you know, my background really is in understanding, all right, what makes the consumer tick? So anyways, I shift out of this job that was taken away from me. And I know that I'm not going to have another one of those kind of jobs probably ever in my life because of my age. And I had to figure out what I was going to do. Now, at the time, what you need to know is I, as I did then and I do now, I ride a motorcycle. And I was riding to work every day in a business suit. And my hair is short so that I don't end up with helmet hair from taking my helmet off. And the problem was, at the time, I was riding without any protective apparel, meaning I'm, my body is completely exposed um, to the likelihood that if I hit the pavement, I'm really going to hurt and I'm going to lose my skin. And so I decided when I got my nice severance package that I was just going to take all of that money, not a smart thing when you're just unemployed, <laughs> I took all of that money and dumped it into a brand new venture called GoGo Gear. Now, what you have to understand about GoGo Gear is that, number one, it is a company that designs and manufactures protective clothing for motorcycle and scooter riders. Now, I don't know a fucking thing about sewing. And <laughs> I didn't at the time know anything about manufacturing. I didn't know anything about fabric or technical anything. But I figured, what the hell, I need a product that looks fashionable so that I can, you know, go out to those dinners I'm no longer going to have. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, uh, I'm going to just, I'm just going to invent something. And that's what I did. I flew off to China um, by myself with nothing but my iPhone translator. And I went and visited 17 different factories in the span of three weeks speaking no Chinese, knowing nothing about manufacturing or sewing, and proceeded to develop a line of really awesome protective clothing. So I have a business partner at the time who also lost her job um, in the recession, was also in real estate development. So we decided to do this business together. So we did everything wrong and lived <laughs> to tell about it. And then we came to market with the product. We had our first revenue event in uh, March of 2010. And then the recession really hit that particular industry. And in the span of uh, probably 18 months, there had been 18,000 retailers selling motorcycle-related whatevers, bikes, clothing, you name it. And in the span of about 18 months, we lost 9,000 of those retailers. Oh, my God. The industry literally collapsed because all of the money, the financing for new bikes dried up. And the best time to sell protective clothing is when you sell a new bike. Mm -hmm. So now we had just started getting into a bunch of stores. Well, now they weren't reordering. And all of the stores that remained, the 9,000 that remained, they were buying up all of the excess bikes and inventory of everything from all of those stores that went out of business for pennies on a dollar, which meant we no longer had anybody to buy our product. What a great way to start a new business. <laughs> Fuck me. Except that you're here to tell about it. So we yes. know that there's a different ending. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just really wanted to paint the best possible picture of what happened. And that was the best possible picture. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> how many bottles of wine I drowned on my front porch steps saying, what have I gotten myself into? 
Because we came to market at the height of the recession and it was all downhill from there. You'd think it would go up, but no, it just kept going down, down, down. So in 2010, we decided, all right, well, we have no customers anymore because we weren't selling direct to the consumer at that time. Because one thing most people don't know is around 2010, there still had not uh, been this... Um, huge push to sell on the internet. People were doing it, but in the retail world, there was a tremendous amount of animosity among the brick and mortar operations toward the internet because they felt that this was their competition instead of recognizing this is how you drive traffic. I mean, you have that much exposure to your product. Why on earth wouldn't you want to be on the internet? And so it, it was a real problem with our retailers, with us going online. But since we were losing them anyways, it's like, well, screw that. We're going online anyways. Goodbye. So we came to the Internet in 2010. And at that time, Facebook was still very young. It didn't yet have um, an ad platform. Twitter was still young. And, and one thing, if I can back up a second about the clothing line, is that um, I actually launched the brand and the company and the product using nothing but Twitter and Facebook. And I was actually making all kinds of noise on Twitter and Facebook six months before we even had a sample available for anybody to look at. I didn't That's give them a website address. I didn't give them photos of anything. I just kept talking. And I created the perception that there was something so magnificent coming that it was going to blow their fucking minds once they saw it, Right. And so six months later, the website goes live, the product, we've got the product in hand, and the internet lost their shit when they saw the product, which was really, really magnificent. It was stuff no one had ever seen before. And so there was all kinds of buzz before we even had a product. And that was very deliberate because we knew there was no other way for us to reach the consumer other than to get really noisy on social media. And so it really paid off for us. We had a rabid fan base before we even had product in hand. And so by the time we actually had the product for sale, we, we did a lot of business that year on the Internet um, through our website. Um, so we go through 2011 and 12. The market is just getting worse and worse, and we're hanging on by our teeth. And a friend called me and said, hey, you guys should go on that show Shark Tank, as if you can just go on the show, right? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yes. Oh, hey, hey, hey Mark. What? Can I can I be on next week? I yeah. said, "Hey Mark." <laughs> Excuse me. I I'm here. Can I be on TV tonight? So, in um it was August of 2011, uh my business partner and I, her name's Desiree, we went to the studios here in Los Angeles. Well, actually, we went to some place where they were auditioning people for the show. And in season three, which is when we were on, there were probably 20,000 companies that uh, submitted applications, videos, whatever, to be on that season. And out of the 20,000 companies that they considered, they selected 90. And of the 90, by the time their attorneys got done with the due diligence, there were only 45 companies left. So we were one of 45 companies that were picked to go through the taping, which did not mean you would actually end up on an episode airing. Um, and so we were one of, you know, 20,000 companies that actually got picked and we went through the audition. They passed us through to the producers. It was a long six week process for them getting us ready for the taping. And then we went in for the taping 
And what most people don't know is, um, you know, a shark tank has a a tremendous degree of fiction in it because the uh, editors and producers decide what kind of story they want to tell about the sharks and the um, companies that are coming on the show. And they decided to portray us as being completely stupid. Um, And what is not apparent in the, the edited version of the show is that for as much as they were yelling at us and we looked like we were complete wimps, we were yelling back at them as much as they were yelling at us. And <laughs> we were making these wild claims and we were like, we were saying, no, you're the one who's saying that. We never said that. What are you talking about? That's not how these numbers work. So we're yelling at them and they're yelling at us. And, you know, then they're saying all kinds of really inflammatory stuff just to get their reaction shots. So we knew going in that our greatest likelihood of showing up on television was if we did a deal. And our approach going in was we didn't care what we had to say to get a deal. We were going to do anything to get the deal because that would increase the likelihood we would end up on TV. And that's exactly what we did. But we never had any intention of going through with that deal. So we did the deal. Oh, interesting. Okay. Strategy Because we knew 6 million people were going to see us on television. But the thing you have to keep in mind about, you know, nationwide exposure, you know, people think, oh, God, you're on Shark Tank and blah, 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 you're going to make a billion dollars. Well, no, because of that six million people who saw us, there was no way to know whether any of those people rode motorcycles. There was no way to know who any of those people were. And the reality for us was at that time we were selling a product whose average price was $250 and it was a clothing garment or it was a piece of clothing and people don't normally buy protected clothing on the internet. They want to try it on. They need to see how it fits and all that kind of shit. And so uh, I think that in the two weeks following our being on Shark Tank the first time, we did maybe $8,000 in sales. Now for people who you know, sell something that costs 20 bucks, people will drop 20 bucks without even thinking about it. And they can make a million dollars selling a $20 item. But it's not going to happen on the internet when you're selling a product that's priced at 250 bucks on average. Um, And the other thing is, this is the importance of selling on the internet and using the platforms that are available to you versus doing something like being on national television or selling your product in a magazine or, you know, those magazines on airplanes. I don't even know what they call them, but every airline. Sky Mall. Yeah, the Sky Mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to pay to be in the Sky Mall. Well, you don't even know who is reading the Sky Mall. It's just everybody on a plane. But that doesn't mean those people are your customers or would be interested in your product. And so people end up spending a lot of money that they don't have to spend when if you simply went to Facebook. And this is what I learned when I was using the internet for the purpose of marketing this product, um, by the time Facebook invented their ads manager, which is their ad platform, they had this unbelievable um, uh, capability within it that allowed you to target people based on the things that they had expressed a like in. And when I discovered that was available to me, because I already knew the kind of people that bought certain things, I knew exactly where to go on Facebook to find those people. And once I was able to actually start advertising on Facebook, our business exploded. 
And so anytime we have a little dip in sales, I just run a Facebook ad and boom, 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 thousands of dollars come pouring in. And, and that, and you know, I can, I can say I'll run an ad for 200 bucks and I might do $5,000 in sales off that 200 bucks. Wow. This happens overnight. And so if you've got the right audience, those people are predisposed to want to buy your product. It's just a question of do they want to buy it today or do they want to buy it next week? And now because of how powerful the ad platform is within Facebook, if somebody does, if somebody sees your ad today and doesn't buy, you can show them another ad a week from now and just keep basically chasing them around the internet the way Amazon does. You know how you'll you'll go look at some item on Amazon and the next thing you know, everywhere you go on the internet, that the damn thing is showing up. Oh yeah, you know what? I I tell people now, I don't bookmark anything. If I if I want to look at something but I don't have time now, yeah. I just like and I click through because I know I'll see the ad again yeah. later. And, you know, here's the other thing that people need to know is you never buy the first time. What you need to do is you get all the way to putting something in your shopping cart and then you abandon it, which means you've now given up your email address. And if you don't complete that purchase, you'll get an email from the company saying, oh, we noticed that you didn't buy, you know, complete your purchase. Was there a problem? Well, you know, we'd really love to see you make that purchase. So here's a 10 percent off coupon. So never buy on the first order unless you're on Amazon because that shit doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But for anybody else, I mean, you could do that to me. You will, if you want to buy my product and get a discount, it's likely that, you know, you could try and order something from me and I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to keep chasing you. I'm going to chase you with emails. <laughs> I'm going to chase you with ads. If you've clicked on my ad, I own you for life. You're going to buy my product. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> So now, moving forward in time, so uh, over this period of time where I'm marketing like crazy using social media, then the advent of the ad platform within Facebook, um, I'm now starting to understand this whole concept of sales funnels, which is, you know, you're throwing some bait out there, meaning to get their interest, you want to get um, their email addresses, and then you're going to start making offers to people. And usually you're doing this through a platform like ClickFunnels. Where, you know, you run an ad and you drive that traffic to a landing page and you offer something. And the only thing that we ever had to do was make one of our products available. We make this thing called Kevlar leggings. And they're just the most awesome pair of protective pants. But they look just like regular fashion leggings. And every time I run a contest for women to win a pair of these leggings, I pick up another thousand emails within 24 hours. And so, Dang. yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how powerful. And are you, are you running trap, uh, paid traffic to the contest? Yeah. I just run Facebook ads and I'll usually okay. spend, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks and I'll pick up a thousand emails just like that. And so that's a huge conversion. Oh, it's unbelievable. And it happens every single time that I do it. And so now we've got a huge email list and you know, the, as the expression goes, um, if you don't know this already, the money is in the list. Your big money is going to come from you marketing to people via email. There's no question about it. It is the most productive way of selling to people because people still open their email. They may not see your Facebook ad, uh, you know, later on, but they will open an email. And if you have a compelling enough email subject line, you're golden. And really, if you're, if you have a really, um, aggressive email marketing program, and I don't mean platform, I mean your program for, or strategy, I should say, 
for how you go after people. And you, you get over this idea that, well, I don't want to bother people with all these emails. Well, guess what? Everybody else is bothering them, and people have a choice to just click delete. Nobody unsubscribes anymore. It takes too much time, and it's a hassle. So what people do is they just look at the subject, the line, they look at who sent it to them, and either they open it or they delete it. And the key is if you can be in someone's email inbox on a regular basis, when that person is ready to buy something like what you have to offer, they're going to remember you before they remember anybody else. And so we've always been very active about emailing our our customer base and our email list. Um, And another thing that's been really productive is that um, I use Facebook a lot for Facebook Lives and Facebook videos because... You know, I, I, I've done so many of these videos for my clothing company that I, I was recently up in the mountains riding, and there's this biker hangout up in the mountains here north of L.A., and there was a woman who was up there, and she had on a pair of my Kevlar leggings. And so I just casually walked up to her, and I said to her, I noticed your pants. And she said, oh, my God, it's you from the videos. <laughs> I love it when I see my product in the wild and I never know, you know, or they'll say, oh, I saw you on Shark Tank. So I have, you know, this minor degree of celebrity walking around here in L.A. among bikers. Um, But anyways, you know, using um, your Facebook Live, which gives you really wide distribution of that content, um, and then just using regular videos that you're pop, you know, that you're populating your Facebook feed with video content, um, people will watch a video all day long before they will read anything. That is a reality. That's a fact. And it's what people need to be doing. So, you know, all of this is by way of saying, while I was building that business, I was also building a book of business, running Facebook ads for people, figuring out what the ad targeting should be, um, building sales funnels for people. Because once people knew I was doing this, and part of this came from a, a wonderful article that was written up about what I was doing uh, in the Huffington Post. And so all of a sudden, a lot of people started calling me saying, oh, could you do this for my company? So pretty soon, I, was, I had more business coming in for me personally doing you know, funnels and Facebook ads than I did for my clothing business. It was the craziest thing. So now I've built this thriving, I don't want to call it practice or agency, because I just do this on my own. But, you know, I, I am doing all of this type of digital marketing, which is what it's called. But I, I just more focus on the Facebook ads driving traffic into these sales funnels, because it is the most productive way to sell to people. And it doesn't matter what you're selling. So, you know, I've had people, you know, come to me to build funnels for um, online training programs, physical products, um, Nonprofit organizations, you name it, I've built it. I've probably built several hundred funnels for, for clients over the past five or six years. And then when ClickFunnels came along, it just made my life so much easier because in the early going of selling using these sales funnels, which, again, is just a series of individual web pages that you connect together that, have, that are designed to do something. And they're different from having a website. Websites are very static and unless you have a lot of plugins that are designed to get you a new, you know, get email addresses and all this kind of stuff that websites, that's not what websites were intended to do. So these third party platforms like click funnels, where you can just take their templates and build an actual funnel where here's the opt in page that takes them to the next page of the funnel, where this is where you're making an offer. And you can have a pop up that is 
uh, if they're going to click away from the page, there's a pop-up that says, oh, hey, you know, here's this benefit. Don't go away yet. Or you can then, you know, if they take the first offer, you can then present them with a second offer where if you're, you know, selling them a physical product, you can sell on the next upsell page, if you, if you would call it that. Um, you might have a page that says, okay, well, you bought that one. Well, I'm going to give you three for a reduced price. And, and that's why you can just capitalize on the fact that you have their attention. Um, and then if they don't want to buy that and they're clicking through your funnel, they get to a page where you're offering them something that's, you know, you know, five bucks for something where you're, you are just making a constant pitch of something you have to offer. And everything that you're offering is different from one page to the next to the next, because you don't know what people want. But if, if you paid for the traffic to get them to your landing page, you want to take advantage of the fact that you've got them there. And so you keep making different offers to them. And if they're inclined to buy something and they see something within your funnel that is desirable to them, they'll buy it. And where most people, you know, create a problem for themselves is they stop at the first offer. It's, oh, I'm just going to sell you a pair of pants. Well, look, if somebody's going to buy a pair of pants from you, they might need to buy a pair of gloves. Why wouldn't you offer them the gloves if you sell them? So, I mean, this is... It's kind of like what um, uh, Amazon has done so successfully is when you look at a particular product and you scroll down the page, you'll see, oh, people have liked these other things, or you might be interested in this, or this is the combination of things that people have purchased when they have purchased this item. So, I mean, if you have the consumer's eyeballs and you pay for them, you may as well show them what you have, and you don't do it by just sending them to your website and assuming that they're going to look at all the shit that's on your website. You basically have to take them by the hand and walk them through the whole process of presenting every single thing to them. And in all likelihood, you're going to get a, a significant number of sales out of it. So that's well, that, how I ended up where I am. Okay. I was like, there are so many questions. I'm going to see if I can back up a little bit. You know, the interesting thing, well, I was just like, okay, wait, wait, I was taking notes. Um, the one thing to thinking, you know, is, and I know from the space that with WordPress, it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm not speaking for the entire community. I think people are finally getting it. It's like you have this open source free software and people felt smarmy selling. I'm like, you're in business. You have to sell. You wow. have to sell. But in, and so there is this reframing, I think that for anybody, and I don't know, we can kind of segue into the book a little bit, but is I, I think that when you're looking at this, the, the best example I can give is I remember hearing this story about a guy who went in and bought a new camera for vacation and he came back really pissed at the guy who sold it to him. He said, why didn't you sell me another battery? My camera died halfway through our vacation. You know, and so there is this responsibility. It's like you're doing, you're not insulting somebody who's chosen to come to you to purchase your product. If you say you might need this. I, I love that on Amazon. Well, yeah, I love seeing, oh, well, what else? Yeah, you're thinking for yeah. them and you're making sure that they have everything that they need because everybody wants a turnkey solution. They, they don't want to have to go searching for all this other stuff. They just want it. It's, if you're going to sell me something, make sure I have everything I need. And gone are the days of you buying anything that has everything included. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did that with um, when I upgraded the mic that I'm recording on. I had had a, a Yeti and then I got the Heil and I was like, oh, this isn't USB. What else do I need? What else do I need? It was like I needed a mixer and I needed an arm and I needed an adapter because the iMac only has so many USB. It was it was like one thing after another and I didn't get it all at once because I learned the hard way and I was like, why doesn't somebody just sell this all together? 
<laughs> oh shit! And then and then the problem is is now you're pissed at whomever you bought the stuff from because you didn't get what you needed, and now whomever is making that stuff has really pissed off a consumer. They've alienated them, and why are you going to want to buy from somebody who doesn't give you all the shit that you need to make their shit work? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Wow. Um, hello. So first of all, I, I wanted to bring up too that, you know, in, when I was looking at your stuff, I love that you focus on the ad targeting because I, so I, I'm just about to get back into ads. I had, I've kind of gone through this huge transformation the last year and a half and I'm like, okay, everything's in place. Let's get some ads running again. And I've gone through, like I did a Facebook mastermind and then I hired an agency and the agency that I worked with, I got great results, ton of respect for this guy, uh, Jason Hornung. And he really, he knows his stuff, really got in there with, helped me to understand. It was the first time I started looking at the psychology about why people buy and, and where the connection is and, and really choosing to look at copy. But, you know, so we, we talked about copy and all that kind of stuff, but the targeting, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of doing a best guess, to be honest with you, Arlene. Like when I go, I'm like, well, this is who I think my audience is following. And other than, you know, a pixel and a custom audience, but it's like, I, I, I don't totally know, know where to start other than like a best guess. Yeah. So, so I, you know, if you want to talk to that or, or share kind of where to start with, that would be awesome. Well, I, I think you, you do have to start with a best guess. You know, your product better than anybody else. And you know, of the customers that you have, you kind of have some sense of who those people are. Now, I'll give you an example of the targeting that I use for my product. Now, when you think about selling a, a pair of protective pants for a woman who's riding a motorcycle, you wouldn't just say, okay, I'm going to target all the women in the United States because you have no way of knowing whether or not they have a bike. So how would we find them on Facebook? Well, I mean, all you have to do is type in motorcycle or motorcycling in the ad platform, in the targeting section, and all of a sudden it will produce, you know, 5 million women. Okay, so those are women who have expressed an interest in motorcycles or motorcycling. But here's the problem. Just because they've expressed an interest does not mean they're likely to want or need what you have to offer. So how do you drill down into that population of 5 million women to figure out whether or not they'd be interested in what you have to offer? Well, if you really know and understand your product and you understand your consumer, as is the case with me and my product, here's how it works. Well, I have to think about who is most likely going to want and need my product. Yes, of course, it's women who ride motorcycles, but is there anything that I understand about women who have motorcycles that would clue me in to whether or not they'd be interested in my product? Well, let's think about this for a minute. Okay, um, there are 20 states in the United States that do not require, by law, people to wear a motorcycle helmet. So if you're not willing to protect your brain when you're riding, do you think they're going to protect any other part of their body? No. Okay, <laughs> so we understand that. Okay, so that's one thing. The other thing is, okay, who is most likely, if a woman is a rider, which rider is most likely going to be interested in protecting herself? Well, it's probably a woman who has been or is interested in being on a racetrack for motorcycles. And we know that there is this huge racing circuit for motorcyclists called MotoGP. It's sort of the NASCAR for motorcyclists. And 
there are hundreds of thousands of women who have expressed an interest in MotoGP. And what do we understand about motorcycle racers? They are covered head to toe in protective gear so that they do not get injured when they come off the bike in a crash or if they go around a turn and it's too tight and they just go sliding off their bike and, you know, halfway down the track. Those women who've expressed an interest in that are very likely to be wearing protective clothing when they ride. And so that's who we target because that's an audience that understands protection. It doesn't matter where they live. The reality is, is if they're interested in motorcycle racing, they are probably wearing protective wear. Okay. So, so can I jump in really quick? Yeah. So, so one of the things that you're, you're pointing out is it's not, so I, I totally get starting with the best guess, but then what, what I'm just adoring about what you're saying is, is you're really getting into the mind of the consumer. Like yeah. you're starting, it's, it's that psychology piece. Like I was telling you before we started recording is kind of the missing piece of the puzzle. And I feel yeah. like so many people don't do it, but the targeting piece. So you're taking it a step further and getting into their minds. Oh, absolutely. You you have to understand what is going on for people. What is their need? What are their pain points? What is it that they're experiencing that is making them have a need for a particular product? Now, another way that you can get at um, whether or not someone would be interested in what you have to offer is by thinking about what do people buy that would suggest to you that they would be interested in what you have to offer. Um, And so, you know, it could be that they shop at high end. Okay, let let me give you an example. If you're selling luxury jewelry or expensive jewelry to women, how would you find women who are actually interested in, in your product and, most important, are capable of paying for it? Well, you would look for women who shop in really expensive stores. You know, it might be that these are women that are age 40 and older, that they're shopping at Bergdorf, you know, Goodman. Uh, They're shopping at Barney's in New York. They're shopping at Bloomingdale's, Saks Fifth Avenue. Okay, if a woman has expressed an interest in those stores, it's very possible that she's shopping there and she has the ability to buy what you have to offer. And then you would look at, okay, well, who are the big high-end jewelry brands that, people have bought before. And if you can tie together the woman who has shopped, who's expressed an interest in these big high-end stores and has also expressed an interest in some of these very, you know, well-known expensive brands, you're starting to paint a picture of a woman who is likely to want what you have to offer. And so you start putting together these these things that they've expressed an interest on Facebook. And when I say express an interest, that's just them clicking like on something on some Facebook page because Facebook is tracking all of that information. And that's how we get the ad. That's how we get the targeting data available to us. Everything you click on Facebook, they are tracking what we are clicking on so that they can serve all of that data to advertisers like you and I and everybody on this podcast um, so that we can say, okay, I just want this subset of the entire population on Facebook uh, to be shown these ads because they are, shall we say, predisposed to wanting what you have to offer. Now, one thing to keep in mind about targeting is, is that people often stop at the demographic targeting, which is, okay, I'm look, I'm going to look for all the women in Los Angeles who are, you know, from the age of, you know, 25 to 34, 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, who have a college degree and have expressed like in Mercedes-Benz. Okay, what does that tell us about her? Nothing. It just tells us there's a young woman out there in L.A. who likes Mercedes-Benz. Doesn't mean she's bought one. Doesn't mean um, she's not in debt up to her eyeballs. There's nothing about that profile that I just painted for you that tells you anything about whether or not she wants to buy what you have to offer. But if what you do is you put all of that together and she likes Mercedes-Benz or she likes the Tesla vehicle and she has credit cards from high-end uh, women's stores and um, she has uh, identified that she has a professional-type job and there is data in Facebook's uh, ad targeting that gives you an indication of how much money she makes, you can start putting all of those things together and make all of them a requirement that they be met, that I'm going to I'm gonna serve my ads to only those people who look like the woman I just described for you with all those extra things. And it's all of those extra things that people are not thinking about and using in their targeting because they're not understanding how, how do you look at a person and figure out whether or not they want to buy your shit. Well, you have to figure out, all right, what are the characteristics of this person? Is the wall is the person who's expressed an interest in Walmart likely to want a high-end luxury item? Well, yeah, they might like that, but it's not like they're going to buy it. If they're not capable of buying it, they can wish and want all they want, and you still have no customer there. Yeah. Another way you can you can sort of infer something about someone is: Have you ever heard of the clothing brand Torrid? Yeah, it's in all of the shopping malls, and it's a clothing brand for women who are plus size. And it's fashionable clothing. And a lot of African-American women shop at Torrid. So if you were wanting to target a product for African-American women um, and, and were plus size, maybe you have a, a, a plus size line of clothing, you would just target women of a certain age who've expressed an interest in Torrid. Because, you know, white men are not expressing an interest in Torrid. You know, it just doesn't work that way. But if you know anything about the brand, Torrid, you know who shops there. And so you have to start thinking about the consumer and say, okay, who is it that's buying these other products? What is, what is the makeup of them? What do they look like? And I don't mean physically. It's what are all the characteristics that tell us interested in XYZ? Weight loss products. Well, this is just, you know, I mean, you want to talk about the amount of data available? Okay, have they expressed an interest in Jenny Craig, uh, Weight Watchers, um, uh, the TV show The Biggest Loser, uh, any one of the famous, or, you know, the famous trainers like Jillian Michaels, who was on The Biggest Loser, um, as the trainer. You put together a profile, meaning you select all of these different interests and you make them required that they must meet all of these conditions within the ad targeting. Now you've painted a picture or a profile of someone that is in all likelihood going to be interested in your weight loss product if you present them with a compelling offer. Well, can I ask you with that, you know, it's interesting is when I was doing, working with people that were kind of showing me how to do ads and whatnot, they were really shooting for um, a certain size of your market too, that for your ad audience, right? So like, I mean, you're saying, so what happens and what I found, and I clearly need work, but as you're doing, as you're narrowing down and, and adding more, you know, um, 
interest or whatnot to your ads, that all of a sudden the audience starts shrinking. Right. But to me, it's a more targeted audience. So like, where is that fine line between I should be trying to put it in front of more people or targeted people? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, think about it. I, I had 6 million people see my product on Shark Tank. What did that do for me? Absolutely nothing, because there was exactly. no targeting of that audience. There was, I mean, that was just throwing it against the wall and hoping somebody's going to buy your stuff. Now, there is a big debate among people who do Facebook ads. And what's interesting is that the people who advocate targeting a really large audience and keeping the targeting to a minimum, what they're doing is this scattershot, throw it against the wall, see who clicks on your ads, and then you retarget them with more ads. Well, what's common among those people is that they have enormous ad budgets. I mean, some of the people that I know advocate this, they're running $25,000 a month advertising or $250,000 a month advertising. Well, you know, I'm from the school of, I like to do everything as cheap as possible. And so what my approach is, if I can do the targeting for Facebook, where I don't have to sit around waiting for Facebook to find the right people for me, what's going to happen is I'm going to have the audience that is predisposed to buy my product right from the start. So if I'm targeting the right people right from the start, my ad spend is going to be minimal. I can spend $10 a day on advertising and get tremendous results. I can have a lot of sales at $10 a day with Facebook ads if I have the right target audience. So this idea of going after 5 million people, it's like, yeah, well, if you have an unlimited budget to throw away, go ahead. But I'm interested. (laughs) But even that, right? Even with the unlimited, I'm sorry, even with the unlimited budget, it's like, wouldn't you rather do small segments of that big audience to see, to get some data. Um, And and I think that's huge because so many people are afraid to get into, to Facebook ads or start advertising because they think, well, I'm not going to be able to do anything with $10 a day. Yeah, no, that, that is absolutely false. It's unbelievable what I've done with $10 a day. And you're, and you also work. So let's take sort of like the information marketing space, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's going to work in any market. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter what oh you're gosh. selling. What you need is exposure, and Facebook gives you traffic. And if you've got that's the right awesome. target audience, which is more important than anything else, you can have a shitty ad, but if you've got the right target audience, that ad is still going to resonate with the person you're showing it to. But if you have a shitty ad and a shitty target audience, you're not selling anything to anybody. In fact, you're just throwing your money away. And if you want to throw your money away, you can throw your money away my way. (laughs) My wallet is open. That's right. So because really, I mean, to that point, right, is is that with the if your ad isn't that great, but you're getting some results because you've done your targeting, well, then it's easy to pick one variation and say, I'm going to change the image, or I'm going to try a different headline, or Oh my gosh, this is brilliant. So let's shift a little bit to the, the whole funnel piece. And and I feel like my audience is like, Kim, you have totally drank the ClickFunnels Kool-Aid. You need to stop talking about this. And again, you know, because there's plenty of tools that I can use where I can semi-create a funnel on my site. But I've also gotten to this place like where I have Kajabi for course platforms. I don't want everything in one spot, one. And two... ClickFunnels does funnels really, really well. Yeah. But more than that was this book, right? And I just would love your insights on this because I keep trying to get people to to think differently and to start looking at the way people are doing things well, even if you don't maybe want to sign up for ClickFunnels, right? Yeah. 
pay attention to what he does, you could learn a ton. And I, I just, I even look at, I, I love content. I study content. I like producing it. And in watching Russell, it's like been this massive validation yeah. for being you and your content and just talking to people and talking to people. So, you know, what was the game changer for you with Expert Secrets? Because to me, this is like the only book I'm studying right now. Oh, I mean, I, I think you could forget about reading any other book and just stick with this one because everything you need to know about selling on the internet is in this book. And, you know, I, I wrote a best-selling book called Retail Shock Therapy, a prescription for what ails your online sales. And that was all based on my work with all of my clients because I was running into the same problem with every client over and over and over again. And I, I just had to write a book and say, okay, here's the deal. Just go read my book and then come talk to me and let me know if you still need me to help you. But after I read Expert Secrets, what I realized is that while what I was writing about in my own book was really, really important and remains really important, there was something that Russell wrote about that was so important that it completely transformed my entire way of looking at selling everything on the internet. And I, I would say that it's fair to say that I'm probably an expert at selling on the internet. I've been selling on the internet for longer than most people. Uh, and I've been using Facebook, uh, for advertising purposes, you know, back before there was an ad platform. And I've been on Facebook since 2007 when they only had 20 million users. So I'm a veteran at this, but there was one thing that I read in expert secrets that changed absolutely everything for me. And it was the concept of selling a new opportunity instead of an improvement offer. And I'm going to say that Amen. Again. Yeah. sell a new opportunity. What people want is a new opportunity, not improvement. Because with improvement, what you're doing, if you're selling a product and you have a lot of competitors and all you do is, you know, make one feature better than everybody else's, it's just an improvement. Who gives a shit? But the reality is, is when you sell an improvement offer, it's really hard to sell. And, and it's what everybody does, which is why there's this big slug fest out there of, you know, every right now, the biggest thing is everybody is creating Facebook ad uh, advertising courses online. Mm -hmm. And they're all doing the same shit. Everything about it is the same. And so they're all casting about for the exact same audience. But if you present a new opportunity where you're saying to the consumer, forget about everything you ever did before. Who gives a shit that it didn't work? Because none of that matters. Because if you turn your attention over here, this is going to be made really simple for you so that you don't even have to think about it anymore. So what you've done is, you know, oh, and what you also say, this isn't your fault. You know, it's the fault of whatever it is that you did in the past, and you don't even have to think about it anymore. So now you're making people feel that it wasn't their fault, that they, you know, don't have to labor the fact that they invested all this money in, in other stuff that didn't work. They don't have to feel bad about that the stuff didn't work. All they have to do is pay attention right here and go forward with this. And this is going to take them to the place that they ultimately want to go. And what's so interesting about this is that you can have the exact same content as someone else. But if you present it to the consumer in your pitch or your sales pitch to them as if it is a new, excuse me, a new opportunity, you win. You'll make a million dollars in the next six months. And the way all of this stuff is sold is to do the following. 
when you are selling to people, especially if you're doing online training programs, when you're selling to people, you're not teaching them. What you're doing is you're taking their pain away and you are presenting to them a brand new way of looking at something so they never have to think about anything that they ever did in the past. Because people don't want to be reminded of failure. Why should we go? This is what happens with people who cheat. Why should I go with my spouse into therapy and have to just hash out all the shit that goes on when I can just go be with somebody else? That's not going to cheat. <laughs> well, no, it's not about not going to cheat. It's just I'm just going to go be with somebody else. There's my new opportunity. Why do I need an improvement yeah. offer, which is, oh, let's go do some therapy when I can just go be with someone else and there's my new opportunity. I can forget about everything that didn't work in my life before this. That is how this works. And so when you're presenting these offers, usually in the form of a webinar, especially for people with online training, you're not teaching anybody anything in those webinars. All you're doing is presenting a big promise, and then you are dispelling all the false beliefs that people have about why they can't go forward with that big promise. And by the that was that that was a huge thing, is that there is one big promise, and you have three false beliefs that you have to dismiss for the consumer and you win all day long because what you're doing is you're making people believe that they can have what it is that they most desire. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Well, I have to say that was, there were so many huge like light switches going off for me with this oh, book. Totally. And that one was so, Oh my Lord. Like to your point, like nobody wants to think, well, I bought three other courses like an idiot and so now if I, I'm going to buy this course, it's going to, it's like, oh no, well, those courses were done incorrectly. <laughs> yep. So this is the new opportunity, right? And the thing is, it was crazy. I had done, which I'll tell you about this offline. So I've got a web app that I'm launching with somebody and, and it was like, I, I had done sort of a pre-sale webinar and I realized, I was like, first of all, Kim, you went way too techno babble. Like that's not the problem you're solving for people. And then I stepped back and I was like, what is what is the one thing I, I I studied, I spent a month redoing this webinar with the perfect webinar. And I went into this and then I did the same thing for something else. And I went, Oh, my God, this makes sense. And for people listening, because I think some people might think some of this stuff is manipulative. And I'm like, this stuff is going on in people's mind all day long, whether you learn to market to that or not, right? This is happening. We think these things, we feel them all the time. So it's like, what are those triggers? And understanding it's it's really how to connect with people is what you're yeah. doing when you figure this stuff out. I swear, I felt like like the sky opened up and God was like, come on up, Kim. Like, <laughs> Welcome to the party when I read that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It was really stunning. I mean, it's been one of the most important books I've ever, ever read um, about selling. And this this idea of you selling a new opportunity. I mean, Russell Brunson, who wrote the book and who's the guy who created ClickFunnels, um, he just landed on this thing of a new opportunity. And it, the stuff that's in the book is not, you know, new information. It's just how he's been able to present it uh, in a way that's really accessible and easy to understand that everything just came together for me. And again, it's not as if I didn't know these things, but the way that he presented it, I, I was done. I was barely into the book and I just thought, oh my God, if I had only known these things earlier on, I would have done X, Y, Z, and the rest of the alphabet differently because there is a formula to how you sell online. There is no question about it. 
And if you follow the formula, you will make a lot of money. But if you want to reinvent the wheel, go ahead. You're going to waste all your money and time. And there's no need to do it. It's ridiculous. And I think also knowing that it might feel a little bit uncomfortable at yeah, first. It's yeah, new. Absolutely. And and this sort of comes back to that, you know, well, it, it's work just like any other yeah. business. And there was a time where I would have thought, you know, I'm not going to spend a month on a webinar. I can do that in a couple mm-hmm. days. And it was like, eh, it's not always worked so well, though, Kim. Yeah. So sit sit and answer these questions. Get into yeah. the mind of who you're talking yeah. to and, and get behind the scenes. Um, so what would you recommend to somebody who is – kind of getting it, they want to get into funnels and Facebook advertising and targeting and or adding that element to their business? Well, you know, here's the deal. You don't want to be spending a ton of money buying a bunch of training programs. And every everybody who's selling anything is going to try, even with ClickFunnels, they'll try and sell you, you know, this training program and Funnel University and certification program and all this kind of shit. You know, the reality is, is if you were to say, for example, sign up for ClickFunnels and just start playing with the platform and get into the user group and just start asking questions, what I think would be most powerful is if you just go and try and make connections with people who you see are active in the groups, no matter whether it's ClickFunnels or anything else for that matter, and you just reach out to them and you say to them, this is the fastest and easiest way you're going to make something happen in this area. You just say to them, look, I really appreciate everything that you've been contributing in the group. Can I buy an hour of your time? Because if you're offering somebody something in the form of, I really value your contribution and I would like to take advantage of it more, which means I'm going to respect you by offering to buy an hour of your time. It is unbelievable the extent to which that has worked for me. And what I get back from the people that I say that to, oftentimes I don't even have to pay for the time because they're so appreciative of you even acknowledging the fact that their time is worth something. You start creating the basis for a relationship that can be really productive for you. So you just need to go find people that do this stuff. Because you trying to learn this shit from day one or square one, my feeling about learning how to do Facebook ads is, okay, if you know what it is that you want to sell, the only thing you need to know about Facebook is what what is the minimum amount of things that you need to know about Facebook in order to enable you to run a Facebook ad for that product? Less is more. You don't need to know everything about Facebook advertising. You just need to know what are the basics. How do I run an ad? What kind of ad campaign? Oh, I want to drive traffic? Well, just drive traffic. Where are you going to send it? Oh, here's the URL to where I'm sending it. Boom, you're done. And who's your target audience? As long as you understand those things, you you know, and you do this, you have to do it by, by trying because you're only going to learn by doing. You know what I mean? And so... Oh, that, I, I'm a huge yeah. proponent of and that. And so yeah. you can get a ClickFunnels platform. I mean, you can get an account for free for a couple of weeks. You, you test out the platform. You see how it works. Watch the tutorials. Get into the group. Talk to people. But don't do any of the shit unless you know for sure what it is that you want to be selling. Because it's pointless to go into trying learning to, to learn something if you don't know what you're going to sell. So if I'm going to sell protective pants, okay, do I want to run a webinar? No. I just want to sell the shit. Okay, so why do I need to know about building a funnel that has to do with webinars? You just find the funnel within ClickFunnels 
that is about selling a physical product. Don't spend your time looking at all the other shit there. This stuff is really easy if you break it down into the most simplest terms of, okay, what's the least I need to know to be able to do anything? That's how I treat directions and instructions. It's never failed me before. <laughs> you know, if I can get in the general vicinity, I'm going to do okay. Because then I can just go ask somebody if I'm lost, you know? Well, and to your point, I mean, you don't, I mean, they've, if you go through signing up for anything, not necessarily even ClickFunnels, and, and you're there for one thing, get the one thing, but but just pay attention. I mean, that's really my best suggestion to pay attention to what's mm-hmm. happening. But to your point, like, read expert secrets yeah. first, oh, yeah. assuming you've got something to sell before you even get yeah. into that. Um, we're winding down, but I, I did want you to mention uh, you've got a bunch of stuff going on, Alpha Dog School for Women, and apparently you've been working on a rap, so I would love to hear this yeah, stuff. I, I'm working on something called the Alpha Dog School for Women, and and the sort of big promise here is unleash your inner alpha dog with strategic confidence that bulletproofs your emotions, creates conflict-free communication, and produces star-powered influence in business. And this is all, you know, pretty much a function of all of the women that I know who are 40 and over who um, have been in business that have struggled with communication and losing control of their emotions in the workplace and feeling like they're a fraud and no confidence and all this kind of shit. And so um, we've created a program that's called the Alpha Dog School for Women. And here is the wrap. Do I have time for it? You've got time. Let's right, do here it. We go. <laughs> Fuck the cat fight. This is the alpha dog crew. Prominent, dominant individuals is how we do. We got the skills to thrill, to kill, to get exposure that makes us competitors for corporate controllers. Leave the tears, the fears, the lack of confidence at home. Reactionate reality. Go on and claim your throne. Cool and collected, yet ready to bite. Pick up the mindset to conquer the silent type. And hey, you can sit in the background. That's cool too. But it's a doggy dog world. Let's fight. Let's make a fucking wolf out of you. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! So, is there a link for Alpha Dog yeah. School Women, or I mean, you can send yeah, us. A, okay, what's the link for women. that? Com. and it's actually an eight week program um, that really is very much like a boot camp for women in business, entrepreneurs, women who are in the corporate. Uh, environment where, you know, women bring a lot of stuff with them into the workplace. We get triggered by the people we're working with. We don't understand what's going on with them. We don't get what we want. We bring our own narrative and fantasy into the workplace, and it gets us tripped up all the time. And what we've done is we've developed a program that will basically help you to strategically place your emotions in the proper place so that, well, what it is, it's strategic confidence where you're really figuring out, okay, where do your emotions actually work for you in the communications you have with people? And it's not, I mean, it's not just this basic one-on-one interaction where it's, oh, I don't like my boss and he's mean to me and all this kind of shit. It's actually understanding what is going on in the dynamic between the two people and how you can actually neutralize your emotions so that you can have what you want in a way that you can feel really good about what you're doing. And when women have strategic confidence, it's unbelievable what they can do. And there's no more stress. There's no more conflict. There's none of the shit that we take home at the end of the day. It's just, I can just go do my job, feel really good about it and get what I want out of it. And that's pretty much what we're teaching in the program. 
That is fantastic. So where is the best place for anybody who wants to connect with you? Um, you know what? You can just uh, go to my um, uh, personal email address. It's arlenebattisil at gmail.com. And that's A-R-L-E-N-E-B-A-T-T-I-S-H-I-L-L at gmail.com. Okay, awesome. I'll have all the links for everybody listening. I will have all the links in the show notes. And if you hang on a sec, I'll repeat some of them. Um, Arlene, it's been fantastic. (laughs) I just I'm so glad we connected. And I cannot wait to uh, to get to know you more and just be in your space. I love a fucking wolf out of you. You a badass alpha dog. You're an alpha dog. No question about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not too shy, but we're But connecting with other strong women is always Absolutely. a bonus. So. We got to have a whole crew of alpha dogs out there. It's going to make life a whole lot better and more fun. Yes, we do. All right. Thank you, Arlene. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. All right, guys, you know the drill. Hang on a sec. I'll have links for you. And until next time. All right, guys, as always, thanks so much for listening. To connect with Arlene, you can go to thewpchick.com forward slash Arlene. Pretty simple. Again, that's just the wpchick.com forward slash Arlene. I do have all the links in the show notes to her Facebook page. You can check out her book, um, her email, which she gave you guys. All those links are in the show notes. And if you have not left a review for the show, I would love it if you do that in iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever your preference is. Um, I will catch you next week, guys. As always, thanks so much for listening.